This is a great white, Larry. A big one. And any shark expert in the world will tell you it's a killer. It's a man-eater. Look, the situation is that apparently a great white shark has staked a claim in the waters off Amity Island. And he is going to continue to feed here as long as there is food in the water. And there's no limit to what he's going to do. I mean, we've already had three incidents. Two people killed inside of a week, and it's going to happen again. It happened before. The Jersey Beach. 1916, there were five, five people chewed up in the surf. In tell one them, week. Tell them about the swimmers. A shark is attracted to the exact kind of splashing and activity that occurs whenever human beings go in swimming. You cannot avoid it. If you open the beaches on the 4th of July, it's like ringing the dinner bell, for Christ's Look, sake. Hey everyone, welcome to The Boot. That's right, it's The Boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to shut down the beach on the 4th of July. <laughs> Who shuts down the beach on 4th of July? Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm Brian Flynn and in the uh, small pond next to me is Kenna Trent. Kenna, how are you? I'm great. I love sharks. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I thought you were going to say. I just have this crazy fascination with great white sharks and how impossible they are. Oh, like, like t- that they even exist? Yeah, and that they do, like, have you ever seen Air Jaws that comes on during the during Shark Week? No. It's a show about, and they talk about it on um, Planet Earth, about the feeding habits of sharks in a certain temperatures of waters, like off the coast of South Africa, I think, is where Seal Island is, and it's where sharks, great white sharks, leap up out of the water to kill seals and eat them. Ooh. And, like, they shouldn't be able to do that. They're massive. They can swim at speeds at 35 miles per hour, according to Wikipedia, and can swim up to depths of 1,200 meters, which is 3,900 feet. They're just so cool. Jeez, that's like a skyscraper. I like sharks. I think they're interesting. Plus, they're, like, plus they're like dinosaurs. Like, I... I think it's cool that there are still animals out there that are like that part when Brody's like, you know, people don't know how old sharks are. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. Uh, Guys, this week we were talking about the 1975 classic, the blockbuster to start all blockbusters, the shark movie, the king of all shark movies. Yeah. Jaws. Until Meg. (laughs) I cannot wait for Meg. (laughs) Cue the Meg clip. My God. It's Megalodon. (laughs) I just. Uh, Jaws, directed by a uh, Steven Spielbergo? I don't know. Uh, Steven Spielberg, who directed such great movies as Duel, The Terminal, and Tintin. He has quite a career ahead of him. Um, <laughs> a few little indies. A few little indie movies. Uh, Jaws starring Roy Schneider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfus, Lorraine Gary, and Murray Hamilton. Our second Murray Hamilton movie. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Put him on the board. Number two for Murray With Hamilton. Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Who else? Bill Paxton. Oh, Bill Paxton, yeah. And Murray Hamilton. Murray Hamilton. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll get into it when uh, Ken and I take those five characters and recast them as if the movie Jaws was being remade today. But before we do that, let's get into some reboot news. I Can I do the first one? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think that you, you asked. You know what? Because this movie puts a smile to my face. Me too. And the second one, not so much. Okay. Okay. Willow. Willow sequel is being discussed, says Ron Howard. Ron Howard reveals that a sequel to his 80s fantasy classic Willow is being discussed. In an interview with Comic Book... (laughs) In an interview with a comic book. I don't know if that's a source or if that's a person. Uh, Howard (laughs) mentioned that, despite there being no official confirmation, a sequel to Willow is being considered. While promoting Solo, he explained that, quote, There is a little talk of Willow, though he doesn't want to give away too much. Okay. (laughs) Very. He's not giving away anything. Um, He also added that if a film did ever get the go-ahead, it wouldn't necessarily be a direct sequel to the original movie, but a spin-off of sorts, following a grown-up version of uh, Laura Danon. Danon? That said, quote, Willow would have to be significantly involved. Though the movie never reached the level of success that other Lucasfilm properties had achieved, Willow has since become a cult classic. And following the recent trend of greenlighting sequels years after their predecessors were released, see Mad Max Fury Road and Blade Runner 2049, the nostalgia factor alone could potentially work to its benefit. Now, I know what you're thinking, guys. It's not been greenlit. There's no confirmation. He's just, quote unquote, talking about it. Yeah, like reading this little clip, it really did seem like Ron Howard is like gauging the interest of the of the masses to then push 
Kathleen Kennedy's like hand into greenlighting a Willow sequel. It also seems like whatever outlet this was that interviewed him on the circuit for Solo asked about it and was like, you know what? Nobody's going to ask Ron Howard about Willow. Yeah, it's like also what he's because they say, want no? they yeah like they want him to be like yeah why not? And I'm sure from his perspective he was like I'm not promising anything. My favorite line in this article was when he was quoted as saying, "Don't want to give away too much." It's like, you don't know. You have no idea. You're There's just... a little talk of Willow. Literally, there was probably a call. <laughs> I know. But I feel like we're being we're being weird about it because it may or may not happen. But I, I like Willow. I like Willow, too. I would be happy with the sequel years later. It was a different time. It was a time of destiny. A time for an unlikely hero named Willow. Tell her I'm not gonna let anything happen to the baby. You gotta get that baby to somebody. I'm somebody. Find a child. Find a child! From the creator of Star Wars and the director of Cocoon. I mean, who doesn't love like an old childhood fantasy? Yeah, like I, I don't know how kids today are making it when they didn't have Willow and they didn't have the never ending story. Like these very weird, wacky fantasy things. It was a trademark of weird 90s family friendly movie making. Yeah, it's like, um, what's the one with Tom Cruise? Uh, legend? Not legend. Y- yeah? Isn't that what that's called? It's some very nondescript name. Yeah, legend. With, and Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love, I, like, I love these, like, Ugh. old family fantasies. Nothing says old family fantasy like Tim Curry. <laughs> well, uh... Whenever Ron Howard decides to... Uh, Apparently the ball is in his court. I know, I guess it's like really... <laughs> I also love the examples that they give about like sequels being greenlit the years apart. See, Mad Max Fury Road and Blade Runner 2049. It's like literally every other movie that's come out has been a long sequel. Yeah, we're probably going to wait another 20 years for Mad Max to happen again. Mm. <sighs> All right, next. And moving on, a Resident Evil reboot could also become a television series. Huge news came almost exactly a year ago when it was reported that James Wan had come aboard to produce a reboot of Resident Evil, which tapped Greg Russo to pin the screenplay. Now, a year later, Constantine's head honcho Martin Moskowitz says that a television series isn't off the table. Constantine is still working on it creatively, Moskowitz told Variety, adding that one option could be a TV series. For us, he says, the main thing is that they get it right creatively so people don't think it's more of the same. That's what it's all about these days. A fresh, different approach. Marty gets it. Based on the Capcom video game, the series launched in 2002 with Paul W.S. Anderson directing the Resident Evil movie franchise has earned $1.2 billion, with a B dollars worldwide to date, making it the highest grossing film series to be based on a video game. We can definitely categorize this as the unnecessary immediate reboot. Like, Maybe two years ago was the last installment. There have been six Resident Evil movies. And it's the last lot. one, I think, just came out two years ago. I, I just mean, like, this. can't we just quietly kill this horse? Can't we just mercy kill it this animal? makes money. Listen to me. I want to know who you people are, and I want to know what's going on here. Now. You and I have the same employer. We all work for the Umbrella Corporation. The mansion above us is an emergency entrance to the hive. And what is the hive? A top secret research facility owned and operated by the Umbrella Corporation. Their research is of the highest importance. Its nature is classified. From who? It makes money and I can't explain it. But honestly, I would be slightly more on board with this if they had made the first movie. Sort of let it die the same way that, you know, Mortal Kombat fell off a bridge and, you know, Silent Hill did the same thing. Like if we just sort of let these like weird genre games go to the wayside. But instead they made six movies. And now a TV show. Yeah. And so now that which I'll say this. I don't know how involved James Wan is, but I'm always interested in anything he dips his fingers into. This is unnecessary, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Again, with like we're we're taking the idea of rebooting things and literally immediately rebooting them. Wait, what did we talk about last episode? Uh, That had already been done. um, Oh, Friday Night Lights. Oh, yeah. Friday Night Lights last episode. And the week before that, um, what we do in the shadows. Yeah. 
immediate, 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 immediate. It just seems so. Give us, give us some time to miss it. I mean, I like who? I just don't get who's watching these movies. Like, I can get it if you're like, yeah, I watched all six. Like, do you think those same people who watched all six with like an iconic eye is just gonna be like, yeah, I can't wait for the TV show? No, I don't cares. know. The same people who watched it will probably follow this to like the Sci-Fi Network or wherever it goes to fester. I'm gonna be honest. I think I've seen maybe two Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. I always confuse the Resident Evil franchise with the uh, what's the vampire werewolf franchise, the underworld oh, franchise. Oh, underworld, yeah, yeah, yeah. I That's think they're easy the same to movie. do. <laughs> I really think they're the same movie. I don't know why. It's like beautiful, leather-clad woman fights <laughs> X monster. Yeah. Um, in post-apocalyptic world, I'm just like I don't fucking care. Yeah. Don't care. No, I mean it's not. It's not remarkable at All this right. point. Ugh. Let's just get clear out of the here. air. Ugh. Let's get to our own reboot of a classic American movie about a shark terrorizing a local <laughs> Massachusetts town. As you all know, we got to hit you with the rules. As always, with the rules. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people that you've never heard of, and you're going to want to look them up. Maybe. We will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen Jaws, which even in passing... Pause us right now and go watch it. We'll be here when you get back. Now to the rules. Rule number one. No remakes, reboots, or long-lost sequels. We will not do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises like Star Wars or, you know, Resident Evil that just pop up with sequels all the time. Uh, We also set a little addendum to this rule. If a remake has been rumored for more than two years with no forward movement, it's fair game. We're going to do it. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today, preferably with no uh, weird allegations against them. I think we should add that in as well. Rule number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. So no beauty casting quint. (laughs) That would be hilarious. Okay, guys. This is the reboot of Jaws. Brody! Not that chum line again, will you? Let Hooper take a turn. Hooper drives the boat, Chief. Stop playing with yourself, Hooper. Slow ahead, if you please. Slow ahead. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chum some of this shit. You're gonna need a bigger boat. So, the characters we're going to reboot today, I'm, I mean, if you've seen the movie, it's probably no surprise. There are basically only four characters. Yeah. Chief Martin Brody, played by Roy Schneider. Quint, played by Robert Shaw. Matt Hooper, played by Richard Dreyfus, Ellen Brody, played by Lorraine Gary. And Mayor Larry Vaughn, played by Murray Hamilton. I actually hadn't seen Jaws until I was much, much, much older. Mm-hmm. And when I watched it, I was I was blown away about, like, it's one of those things where the people were like, oh, you haven't seen Jaws? you got to watch Jaws. Jaws mm-hmm. is great. And like I just did like three minutes ago <laughs> yeah. during the rules. Well, I watched it and I was like, it's right. It, it still holds up. I, I think it's still entertaining if you haven't seen it. It can be a little long, but um, what, what are your thoughts on this movie? I, I am the same in that I saw this movie a little bit later in life than I probably should have. Um, but my thought on it when I saw it the first time and any time subsequently is that it is too long. And I tend to hold this opinion about most classics, quote unquote, is that you could cut 45 minutes out of every classic movie and it'd still be great. I think um, I think the first half before they go out into the sea is perfect. And then like the last 50 minutes when they're out at sea, I'm like, couldn't they get to the shark a yeah. little quicker? It takes them forever to exhaust all their options. That's what I also don't get. Why are they the only boat? Yeah. Why isn't the Coast Guard out? I guess this isn't the Coast Guard's purview of hunting sharks, but. But, I mean, part of it might be that Quint is continuously like, nobody else. Yeah, he's got that old, like, Hemingway man Just to me. see. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Captain it's Ahab. it's it's essentially two movies. You have the town freaking out because there's a shark. And then from the moment they decide to hire Quint to go and hunt the shark, the end of the movie is like a second movie. Yeah. Want to see something permanent? Boom, boom, boom. Hey, you. you got that beat. Some moray eel. 
fit right through my wetsuit. Well, nope, no, listen, I don't know about that, but I entered an arm wrestling contest in Loki Bar in San Francisco. You see this? Well, I can't extend that. You know why? Got to the semifinal. Big Chinese fella, he pulled me right off. It's a bull shark. It scraped me when I was taking samples. You want to drink? Drink to your leg? I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink to our legs. <laughs> Honestly, today they would release Jaws Part 1 and Part 2 and make us wait a year to see him. Yeah, probably. I was also wondering if they made Jaws, The Rock would be in it, right? Right? I feel like we say this about every sort of like action-y movie. Reboot. I know, but it's weird. The Rock would like, be... I mean, this movie has inspired thousands of other lesser movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has, what, three or four sequels already to its own name? Yeah. But then also, every other shark movie, every other monster movie kind of, not monster movie, I mean, King Kong is kind of the granddaddy of those. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, yeah, man must save ta- town, community, city, world from X beast. I mean, that has the rock written all over it these days. <laughs> That's his bread and you butter. You need someone to single-handedly save an entire town. <laughs> Dwayne The Rock. You know who to call. Johnson. <laughs> um, but also, like we said before, this movie was the first blockbuster. Yeah. Not to say there wouldn't be blockbusters after it. I mean, Star Wars came out, what, two years after? But it's it's interesting to think that prior to this movie, they hadn't thought about releasing something of, of, of big proportion, something like an action movie that's exciting. Like they hadn't thought about releasing this genre in the summer when people would be most apt to go uh, enjoy it in droves. Like yeah. it's it's fascinating to me that there was a time considering we live in like blockbuster central, um, not blockbuster the store <laughs> that's gone like because i just think about how even now like i don't feel like we we do blockbusters because we we have shifted like blockbuster season to the end of the year almost yeah and so you know if you didn't live through like the mid to late 90s i think you did miss that sort of like like that was it's just weird kind of experiencing so many movies in that time frame that there was a time when people were not when there was no such thing as a blockbuster right um, all right, let's get into it. We're going to start off with uh, Chief Martin Brody. Mm-hmm. I'll go first. Okay. So <laughs> I have a really weird way of how I cast okay. Chief Martin Brody. So Roy uh, Scheider, mm-hmm. I think I mistakenly said his name is Roy Schneider, but it's Roy Scheider. I mean, it's his fault for having a name <laughs> that's so similar to Schneider. He was on a TV show, you might remember it, called Sequest? Oh, yes, the one with the dolphin. Yeah. Right? He So Sequest DSV um, is basically like Star Trek in the ocean. So he basically played yeah. the captain of this seafaring vessel as they like journeyed through the ocean. And there was a there was a shark that they could or there was a, a dolphin that they could talk to. Yes. I'm not crazy, yes, right? That no, was in no, the show. Okay, okay, yeah, that's yeah. True. So when I was thinking about that, I kept being like, okay, the actor I want to pick, I, I need to have sort of the same similar characteristics. I want to pick an actor who could also captain like <laughs> a Sequest vessel. What? I don't know why. I don't know why. So I, I picked an actor. And then when I thought about it, why I really am picking this actor for Brody is Brody is a character who will always have the town's interest at hand. Mm-hmm. And despite... His personal fears of, say, like the water or sharks or whatever. He's going to do whatever it takes to sort of save these people. What are you doing out there? These are your people. Go and talk to them. Those aren't my people. They're from all over the place. Do you see all the license plates out in the parking lot? Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Jersey. I'm all by myself. Out there. Um, what happened to the extra help we're supposed to That's have? not until the 4th of July. Between now and then, it's you and me. Uh, you know those eight guys in the fantail launch out there? Yeah. Well, none of them are going to get out of the harbor alive. Lenny, that's what I'm talking about. You know their first names. Talk to those clowns. I don't know why I went that way, but that's that's the truth. I picked Sterling K. Brown, who's on a show, This Is Us. Okay. And he also was in the Black Panther very briefly. And I just looked it up. He's also going to be in the new Predator The Predator. Movie. Yeah, you didn't it. see him at the, isn't he in the scene where Boyd Holbrook is like, where they're like, oh yeah, he definitely saw something. Yeah, I, I completely because that trailer just threw me off so bad that I was like, "Wait, were we in like a child's basement 
before this and then an alien <laughs> ship came down to earth like i completely was what just, is what? this movie so i picked sterling k brown because i thought he could be that kind of person of the community that's also what i really liked about this movie is that like the community is so small that like everyone is pestering chief brody while he's like no there's like a girl who's been murdered by a shark like as someone who grew up in a very small town, I felt like weirdly like lovely towards Amity as <laughs> the idea of like that guy being like, there's people parking in front of my store and we just need to get because I was like, what a great like small town way to be like, he's being bugged by people on his day off because there's like hoodlums outside his store. <laughs> like that's such a that's such a great like small town quirk. Um, So that's who I picked. I think he's a good choice. And I also feel like he's in the lot. He like. He's coming up again. Like his he, star is rising. He had a lot of success early on, like TV, but now it's just like movie, 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 movie. As much as like everybody has broken out of This Is Us, he has, I think, been the one who will stand the test of time coming out of that show because people saw him in that and were like, "Why isn't this guy starring right, in movies?" Right. Um. So yeah, no, I think that's a great choice. I think it's weird that you made the choice based on the fact that you think he could be the captain of Sequest. It really is. <laughs> it really was. But but I was also like, sure, yeah, why not? Sure, why not? Like I cast him to be Roy Scheider in a different role. <laughs> Literal. Just, I was just like, just give him all of Roy Scheider's <laughs> career. I went in a very different direction for my Brody. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm not really sure what took me in this direction. I think I just saw his like age and his uh, sort of the phenomenon that the movie is because the remake of this movie would be huge. Like yeah. it would have to be a big thing. They're not going to get some like unknown person. They're going to get the be... rock. You think I'm messing with you. It's going to be the rock, speaks... Kevin Hart. And uh... <laughs> he knows sign language. He speaks Mandarin. He yeah. uh, knows gymnastics and is a black belt in karate. Like this He's man. He's a hacker. Do... <laughs> He's an expert driver. He's a pilot. Yeah. His best friend is a shark. <laughs> he knows all about sharks. So he has the shark to hunt the shark. Um, guys, if you haven't seen Rampage, go see it. I picked, I feel like you're going to judge me for this. I picked Leonardo DiCaprio. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh... What? Yeah, that's what I did. Why? <laughs> Brian is upset. <laughs> I'm like making him more sick at the notion of... Explain, please. It's not that crazy. Because here's here's the thing that I like about Leo. Is that at this point in his career... I think one of the key things about Brody is that he's not... He's not the rock kind of modern action star... That like, oh, there's a there's a shark in their waters at the risk of sounding like Woody from Toy Story. There's a shark in their town. And it's not like, oh, well, luckily our sheriff knows how to handle sharks. Like he's terrified of the water. He doesn't know what he's doing. Like they take him out on the ship and he is lost. Beyond the edge of the barrels. Go to the end of the barrels. Further out. What? Further out. Why? Go further out. What for? Will you go to the end of the pulpit, please? What? Will you please go to the end of the pulpit. What for? I need to have something in the foreground to give it some scale. So I, I liked I liked Leo for A, being a quality actor, but B, I could see him as the persona of he is a literal fish out of water. I just upped the caliber of the movie. <laughs> he definitely did that. I was not thinking Sequest Captain. Let me think. Let me ask you this. Name me a movie where Leo DiCaprio has played a loving family man. Mm. You know why he doesn't play those roles? Because he's not a loving family man. It's acting. He's the leader of the <laughs> Pussy Posse. It's acting. The Pussy Posse <laughs> is not active. They have been deactivated. I mean, I'm assuming. I think Toby Maguire just got divorced, so it might be they might be out They're prowling. out every night. <laughs> Look, I just, I guess I just like I'm startled by I think, a Leo I think star. this is a good fit. I think this is a really good fit. I I mean, I would watch it. I I I question it though. I stand by my choice. Okay. I mean, I'm gonna watch anything Leo does. So you just bought a movie ticket for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people will show up for Jaws. People will show up for Leo. Okay. What? Is the problem. Let's move on to Quint. The best character in this movie. This movie should have been 90 minutes of Quint. Quint 
speaks in Trump tweets. He really does. He The first time we see him and he's like, I'll catch the fish for you. Big fish. Period. I was like, that's something Donald Trump would tweet about a shark crisis. I just kept thinking like that scene where they're they're at the town hall trying to decide what to do. <laughs> yeah. And then he just starts speaking is like one of the best like Simpsons moments ever. <laughs> with like It's like basically straight up from the monorail episode. You know what I mean? Like, or I guess like the monorail episode took from this. But it's just like, here's a quiet New England mm-hmm. town talking about the problems of the town. And then the weird character... That the town, the problem character that the town has just shows up. And it's just like, I'll kill the shark for you. You gotta make up your minds. You wanna stay alive and ante up? You wanna play it cheap? Be on welfare the whole winter. $10,000 for me by myself. For that, you get the head, the tail, the whole damn thing. His, his like demands for killing the shark, too, are even like as insane. It's like $200 a day. For expenses Mm -hmm. until they catch the shark. $10,000 when they get the shark. Yeah. And then like a case of brandy. And then Brody has to buy lunch. You know, like he has to buy all the lunches. And Brody's like dinner when we're done. Yeah. (laughs) No, that scene is is shot in such a hilarious way because he starts talking and it's literally like close-ups of like shocked women like turning to look. I know. It's so so odd. Mothers covering their children's (laughs) eyes from him because he's so like... He's so he's such it's an like outsider. The, it's like the hunchback has come down from Notre Dame and is like, I'll catch him. He's the best part. It should have just been him like quietly talking to himself in like a lighthouse <laughs> until like his like shorter. <laughs> who's the like helping hand who's that he has? Who's the guy that follows him out? Yeah, he's never in this movie. Yeah. Why isn't he on the boat? He's a he's a day player. Yeah. They couldn't get him. Oh my God. <laughs> he's <clears throat> insane um, in the best way. Yeah. Um, all right. So why don't you go first? I also feel like you're going to judge me for I'm this choice, for but I feel ex- like- I feel really strongly about this. Um, I picked Christian Bale. That's not as crazy as Leo. Yeah. Here's what I love about Christian Bale. He is a transformative actor. Yeah. And so whatever was required of him, he would do. Yeah. So you know, researching sort of a, a PTSD ridden uh semen like he's gonna semen <laughs> cool this is the last episode of this podcast i'm gonna come on it was right there <laughs> i was trying to work past it i was trying to be don't it. say semen <laughs> say captain maritimer anyway maritimer because that accurately describes let's just be grown-ups i just think if you asked him to do it, he would show up as Quint. And yeah. you know he would deliver insanity. That's what I was about to say is Quint is kind of insane. Yeah. He's the only person willing to go out there and do whatever it takes to kill the shark because he's literally insane. It's the only mm-hmm. thing that drives him. And I think Bale definitely would get that. Um, so, no, I, I don't think that's a bad choice. I think it he might have briefly whisked through my brain when I was thinking of him. But mm-hmm. um, the person I picked – uh, is a pretty crazy character actor, and a lot of things he he's in, um, he kind of is a little wild about it. I originally had a big, big name for this, but I don't think he that actor could have gone as crazy as I wanted Quint. And I think the moment when they're all sitting around, and it's just after they all show each other their scars, mm-hmm. it's the moment where Quint talks about... The that Indianapolis. Pe- 1,100 men went into the water. Vessel went down in 12 minutes. Didn't see the first shark for about half an hour. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. Shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming. Sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Another thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes. Black eyes, like a doll's eye. Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in and they rip you to pieces. That's a scene that I was like, I think my, the, the first actor I had could do it, but I don't think he could give it that same horrifying gravitas that mm-hmm. Robert Shaw gives. So I picked an actor, I'm not sure if you're going to know who he is, but um, do you know who uh, Ray Stevenson is? Yes. Okay. So for those of you who don't know who Ray Stevenson is, Ray Stevenson was in a lot of the Thor movies. 
He was in um, Black Sails, the TV show. I mean, he's he's in a lot of like strange things. Like he's in episodes of Dexter. And then I he's can also see in his face, and I'm trying to figure out Eli. What I know him from. He was so the distinctly. second Punisher after Thomas Jane. Oh, the weird Three Musketeers remake. Yeah. Yeah, he he basically is like sort of this like burly, salty looking actor. Mm-hmm. So I I salties, <laughs> what a great way to describe. Yeah, um, but I thought he could play that. I mean, yeah, for sure. Because I mean, that's the that's really the most genius character moment for Quint is that you realize that he's not just like weather worn. He's not just like a guy who lost his mind at sea. Like, yeah. Being able to say, like, I was on the Indianapolis, like, when you say that, like, I think it's, I think it's Hooper who, like, has the appropriate reaction of, like, wow. Like, if you're one of the men who survived those shark attacks, you've, you've been you've through stuff. Yeah, so, you've seen it. Um, it's just such a clear moment of, they could have easily have been like, yeah, he's just weird, but he's not. And so you have to have somebody who can not just convey the insanity, but make you believe that there's something off. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Hooper. Hooper drives the boat. Kenna. Did you know that? (laughs) That's my favorite line. The Hooper drives the boat. Um, so this one, I, I think, and I, I think I'm going to be the one who has the weird pick on this one. Okay. I really wanted to gender swap this role because it was like, we need more women in this movie. The, yeah. the one woman that we cast really is barely in this movie. And, and yeah. the only reason she's in there is because we needed five. No. That's not really true. I just mean like. Ellen Brody is important. She's important, but I wish she had more to do. And I wish there was mm-hmm. more women with important things to do in this movie. But there's such a petulance to Hooper mm-hmm. that I was like, I want to cast someone who could be that kind of annoying fly that keeps buzzing on Brody to be like, hey, you're right. Your instincts are right. Mm-hmm. I know I'm right. You know I'm right. And push it, keeps pushing him to like check the shark to see if the shark that they that the that they fisherman caught. raid yeah. is the shark. Or, you know, to confront the mayor on the 4th of July to say that he's to close the beach. Like, mm-hmm. I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Now, wait a second, wait a second. Dave. There are two ways to deal with this problem. Hey, you're Dave. either going to kill this animal or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. Brody, sick vandalism. That is a deliberate mutilation of a public service message. Now, I want those little paint-happy bastards caught and hung up by their Buster Browns. That's it. Goodbye. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch. Oh, my God. This is so weird, but I think he could be um, really sarcastic like Hooper is mm-hmm. and annoying than Hooper is. Not because he's an annoying person, Okay. but I just think he could play that. Oh, my God. I picked <laughs> Kieran Culkin. What? Yeah. You put a Culkin in this movie? I put a Culkin in this movie. First of all, both Kieran and Rory Culkin are really good actors. I agree. But I picked Kieran because he, so Kieran was in Scott Pilgrim and he's going to be this new show Succession, which looks pretty good. The one with Brian Cox. He just reminded me of someone who would just like come in and just sort of pester Brody to to do the right thing to like save lives. And he's, there's like a trend in movies, big movies today where it's like, steal the indie actor and put them in the big movie. Mm-hmm. And Kieran Culkin is very much that like weird indie actor these days. And then I was like, all right, put him in the big movie. Try it out. Yeah. I mean, I can't say it's a bad choice. I always enjoy when I see a Culkin in a movie. Isn't that weird? Like, a show. like Rory Culkin was in Waco and I thought he was phenomenal. I, yeah. It's weird. Like I never thought I would pick a Culkin. Yeah, but, I mean, you really thought out of the box. I think. But like what you said, like when you see a Culkin on screen, you're kind of like, oh. You're interested. Yeah. For sure. I did gender swap this role. Yeah. Because I had in my head someone that I really liked for this part. And then I was like, yeah, but why do they have to be a guy? They don't. No, there's no and, reason. And um, yeah, I just didn't want to settle for someone who would have been great. But it just didn't make sense otherwise. Um, so I picked Sonika Martin-Green, whose biggest claim to fame, I think, at this point, is she stars in Star Trek Discovery. Oh, yeah. She's um, great. Yeah. She's phenomenal. She also recurred on 
The she, Walking Dead. Could she be a, uh, a captain of a ship? <laughs> she could. She could. She could be a Sequest captain. She could be a Sequest captain. <laughs> I because I think the interesting thing about Hooper is that he shows up as the voice of reason. Everybody thinks they know what's happening, and he really knows sharks. He really knows fish. So I think that's a little bit of where like his his level of intelligence I think is what leads him to that level of petulance that is sort of yeah like you can't tell me what's right because I like you only think you know I actually do know Martin there are all kinds of sharks in the waters you know hammerheads white tips blues makos and the chances that these bozos got the exact oh, shark there's no other sharks like this in these waters it's a hundred to one a hundred to one now I'm not saying that this is not the shark it probably is Martin it probably is it's a man eater it's extremely rare for these waters, but the fact is that the bite radius on this animal is different than the wounds on the victim. I just, I want to be sure. You want to be sure. We all want to be sure, okay? And what I want to do is very simple. The digestive system of this animal is very, very slow. Let's cut it open. Whatever it's eaten in the last 24 hours is bound to still be in there, and then we'll be sure. He's only annoying because his expertise is yeah. being ignored. Because he, because he knows he's dying. right. Yeah. And so I liked her for this. I think she tends to play, at least from what I've seen, like, because I was, uh, I first saw her on The Walking Dead and I liked her, but she was a very angry character. Um, and so we didn't see her be very, like, soft. And I feel like she's sort of that same way in uh, Star Trek Discovery and that you don't see a lot of, like, you really have to dig for some of her her levels, but they're there. Yeah. And then there's this weird, she was on a, an episode of New Girl maybe like a couple of seasons ago where she played this like weird part. And I was like, this is so much fun. So I think she's definitely got that uh, weird sarcasm and could be a lot of fun to watch, especially switching up the dynamic of, I mean, Quint already doesn't trust Hooper. Yeah. Um, because he, he knows from experience how these things work. Um, and so I, I kind of like adding the dynamic of like, she's, not just someone who's challenging his authority on the subject, but she's a she's a woman, and I don't know. People like Quint don't like that. Maybe, maybe Quint's uh, really progressive about his thoughts. Mm, do you we know? think that? Mm, who knows? It's Massachusetts. <laughs> so progressive. Uh, um, so I think yeah, that's a great pick. I think she's a really, really good actress. And um, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Should we talk about Ellen then? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about Ellen. <laughs> Because I was really searching for, like, I mean, she's important to this movie because she, what, supports her husband? Like, yeah, she takes care of their kids. Like, what, what is it about this character that I really cut? I was trying to dig for some more characterizations for this character so I could help me cast it. The only thing I did was, like, I, I just picked a big, well-known actress that would just kind of, mm -hmm. you know. Sell it. Sell it or take it on her own, right, to be like, hey, we need to change a few things about this thing. The thing that I like about this character is that she could easily be the hysterical wife. People are people are literally dying on this island. They're surrounded by water. And she is maintaining calm. Did you take your drama? Yes. I put an extra pair of glasses in here. Black socks, and, and there's the stuff you know, the zinc oxide, and Blistex is in the kit. Son of a bitch! It's gotta be Quint. This collection of Colorful, isn't it? This scares me. Don't use the fireplace in the den because I can fix it for you. Tell him I'm going fishing. For instance, immediately after the s second shark attack, she brings like Brody a drink they sit down and he's like where's our son and she's like hey he's out in his boat and Brody is like freaking out because he's like don't be in the water and she's just like it's fine he's in a boat and it's such it's such a great moment of like yeah there's that sort of funny moment then afterwards where she sees the picture of the shark like ripping the boat apart and is like nope but it's such an interesting dynamic, I think, for him to be the one who is like she she's never like screaming. She's never upset. Like even after her son has a run in with the shark, like they're in the hospital. She is like maintaining her cool. Yeah. And it's just it's a really it's a really interesting part, I think, to not sort of throw her over the edge and be like, your job is to be the worrying mother. Like, she's not 
doing that. She's just supporting and helping until I guess the final moments we have with her where she like leaves him to get on the boat and is like, mm. so, all right, why don't, uh, I'll go. Why don't you go first. Um, I picked Kate Hudson. Not bad. But again, I like Kate Hudson. I think that's a good pick. I'm just not grounded in this character yet. Like I, mm. that's why it's like, you could have said anyone and I've been like, great. Because I just, I don't know what to lean on for this character. Other than what you said, like, yeah, she's not wild and crazy. But don't you think that, like, just because she supports entirely what her husband does is also a detriment to the fact that this character just supports 100% what her husband does? But it's not that she is... Because I think I definitely took a perspective on the character. It's not that, like, she's not particularly funny, but she's also not particularly dramatic like there were there there are a lot of names you could have thrown out but there were people that i would think of and i'd be like but no like they don't she doesn't like sit in the groove and i think kate hudson sort of rides that line of like she can just be a very even actress okay all right i think it's a good pick i think it's more of me just being lost on this character than Mm -hmm. your your actual pick i feel very found okay so i guess if i was to Think about Ellen. She's not going to get swept up in the hysteria that this town kind of gets swept up in. Mm -hmm. I think you made a lot of good points that it's like she's going to support her husband because she knows he has good judgment Mm -hmm. as, you know, an authority. So she's she's probably going to stay calm because he's always calm. They're always calm. She's probably the reason he stays calm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So in that regard that behind every great man, there's a great woman. Mm Mm-hmm. I wanted to pick an actress who could be that kind of rock for her husband, even when he has to go out into, like, the most terrifying thing he could think of, the great vast Atlantic Ocean, and hunt for a great white shark. Mm -hmm. So I picked Kerry Washington. Mm -hmm. I picked a woman who's played a lot of strong roles, and it's like, all right, if you're going to give her a small morsel of something, let her be really fucking strong in it. Mm -hmm. And so that's who I picked. I think that's a good choice. Thank you. Um, Mayor Mayor Larry... Vaughn, the most despicable character. What a squid. That like turn of him coming into the hospital and being like almost catatonic because he's like, I didn't know. I didn't know. Because like it's it's really good storytelling that ultimately like that encounter happens with Brody's son because then it's not every other time like Brody has taken the blame because people are like, why don't you? shut the beaches down yeah and now is the point where he he cannot take the blame and people are like oh it's not him it's the mayor it's the freaking mayor and a pen larry yeah a pen you know because you're gonna do what you do best you're gonna sign this voucher so i can hire a contractor i I don't i don't know if i can do that without uh, i'm gonna hire quint to kill the shark What? what are you talking about Larry, the summer is over. You're the mayor of Shark City. These people think you want the beaches open. I, I was, I was, I was acting in the in the town's best interest. That's right. You were acting, acting in the town's, town's best, best interest, interest, and that's why you're going to do the right thing. That's why you're going to sign this, and we're going to pay that guy what he wants. Martin, my kids were on that beach too. You're right. Like when he finally sees that, like people are dying, people in his own community are dying, and as the mayor, he has the responsibility to take action. He is she starts talking to himself about how he can spin his way out of it. Yeah. He's just a squid. And so I was like, I want to pick a ca- an actor who can be that despicable, but he also has to kind of be like, the way I, I thought about it was like, he was also like part game show host. Like the way he dressed, the way he spun mm-hmm. everything, everything's fine, everything's fine. Have these the wonderful time in Amity Beach is like, Mm-hmm. Everything was about the economics and his reelection. So I picked Matt Ross, mm. who plays mm-hmm. Gavin Belson mm-hmm. on Silicon Valley. And he was also in uh, American Psycho. He He's in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of stuff over the years. But those are the two movies that I always remember him from. Yeah. Just someone who would never really self-sacrifice. He would, he would never take full responsibility for his actions. But um, rather, how can I pass the buck? You know what I mean? Gosh, his career has been interesting. Yeah, it really has been. Um, No, yeah, I think that's a good choice. This is sort of, I don't know, I hate to be like, this feels like the weird like throwaway role to me because 
ultimately, like, there are a lot of people that can play slimy for what we need them for. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I think that's a great choice. Thank you. Uh, I picked Brian Cranston. Yeah, he crossed my mind too, but I, I used him in something else. But I think, he did. Yeah. Um, especially in your version when he's going against Leo DiCaprio. Which I know that's not a knock. That's not a knock on your pick. Great. But yeah, I I liked. You're gonna I, need an actor of that kind of caliber to kind of go toe to toe and like enforce his will on the sheriff. Yeah. Uh, a summer girl goes swimming. Swims out a little far. She tires. Fishing boat comes along. It's happened before. I don't think you appreciate the gut reaction people have to these things. Harry, I appreciate it. I'm just reacting to what I was told. Martin, it's all psychological. You yell barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. I love this scene on the on the ferry where they sort of corner him and he's doing this weird blocking thing where every time Brody tries to counterpoint, he pulls him further away from everybody. Yeah. And it's this interesting choice of like the deal must be done in secret. I just had a very specific vision of who this person should be to literally stand toe to toe with Brody and be like, no. Yeah. Like our capitalism is more important. Like our town's survival economically is more important than the sum, the townies and the children. And the lives of the people who live here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I love a great Brian point. Cranston, but he could be slimy. Yeah. You know what's funny is like his choices are also so, so sort of strange after Breaking Bad. Like yeah. He goes from playing Lyndon B. Johnson in a civil rights movie mm-hmm. to playing Zordon in the Power Rangers movie. Yeah. I'm huh. like, what's going on here, Brian? I still didn't see Power Rangers. You should see it. It's, it's, I showed it to a friend of mine recently. He loved it. He really loved it. I mean, it's messed up and every other word is Krispy Kreme donuts, but... What? Yeah. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> it's it's crazy. No, I think he does whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Because he can afford to. Yeah. Because um, he's earned it. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's we did it, our, guys. We did our five. Um, We did our tight five. Our tight. Tight five. <laughs> um, Let's move on to... Where does Barry Pepper go? Oh, whoa. This one was also harder because they're they're not a lot of nobody. There's not big roles. Um, So I'll just spit mine out. I think this is the character's name, but I put Barry as Ben Gardner, Hmm. who was the shark hunter who stole the roast from his wife and they chain it to the dock and then the shark like rips the dock up. Yeah. And he nearly dies and he has to like swim back to shore. Because it's like, if I'm going to have like a a tense moment with someone like possibly being the third victim of this shark, I'm going to want it to be BPAP. So that way the audience is like, don't you dare. Don't you dare do this to Barry. Killing a puppy. People are like, oh, it's Barry Pepper. We're going to stick with him for a while. (laughs) Yeah. And then we pull the rug out from under you. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I cast the iconic Barrison Pepper as the... News anchor guy doing the story on the beach as played by author Peter Benchley in the movie. It's a literal cameo. Yeah. Yeah. But. No, I think that's that's a perfect place. Um, Do you have any other uh, bites? Um, My favorite character in this movie is Brody's secretary, Polly. Well, Chief, what have you got on? Polly, if this new filing system is going to work, you've got to keep that outdated stuff off my desk. Just the pending, all right? Yes, Chief. Now, we got a bunch of calls about that karate school. It seems that the nine-year-olds from the school have been karateing the picket fences. The kids are karateing the fences. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that so much. That one was good. How real does this shark look? Um, not. Every move it makes is unnatural. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the whole story is that, like, they... Shot a bunch of footage with it, and then they ended up taking it out, and that's how it became scary. Is that you don't actually see any of it, but because um, there's really... like real, there's real footage uh, under when Hooper's under in the cage. That's <clears throat> a real. Some of that is a real shark that they yeah. shot to be able to be like to show its like natural movement. Otherwise, it sort of like swims to the left in a floating way. Yeah, it's it was really not. Well done. But I mean, if for the time, I mean, there was nothing really else they could do. I mean, it's 
the best that 1975 had to offer. I will say, I don't think this movie makes sense given what we know about sharks now or even given what we know about sharks then. What do we know about sharks? Here's something I found out recently because I was listening to, uh, to shout out another podcast, an episode of Criminal, Phoebe Judge's podcast. And the episode was about a shark attack that happened and they literally like hired an investigator to find the offending shark. And what I found out is that after the USS Indianapolis happened, that's a real story, that's a real thing that happened, um, the U.S. government decided to hire people to investigate sharks so that they could figure out how to make a shark repellent. So they did quite a bit of research. Like Batman has. Does Batman have a shark repellent? In the Adam West Batman TV show, he he uses a shark repellent. Literally, he's trying to like fly up to his like back copter and Mm -hmm. like a shark is on his leg. Sardine, hand me down the shark repellent bat spray. It's just YouTube, it's amazing. Um, and so, of course, we know that like sharks will typically attack in less than three feet of water, but also, and maybe this is not common knowledge, maybe this is something I made up, but ultimately, it's this version of a shark is it a complete monster because sharks do not behave this way, they will not pick a boat out of the sea and be like, I'm gonna get them because. Ultimately, like a shark will mistake you for food, take a bite, realize you are not its food. Right. And leave. Like a sh- yes. It, it will inflict a lot of damage, especially a big shark. But ultimately, it realizes it doesn't want to eat you and is out of there. If so, you're a boat. Not if you're a human, right? No, I mean, if you're a human, too. They don't want to eat. Like, they they don't want human flesh. Really? <laughs> Sharks work. Why do so many get, oh, they just get bitten because they think it's food and then they're like, oh, no. And you might get tossed around quite a bit because sharks are violent. Yeah. But, yeah, they mistake you for their actual food. That's why when you're splashing around, like, you look like a fish in distress, Mm. um, which is why you shouldn't let children go into the ocean. But that's another podcast. Um. (laughs) And with that warning from Kenna, telling all children to get the hell out of the ocean... Uh, why don't we wrap this up? Yep. Kenna, where can uh, people find us online? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or really wherever you get your podcasts. Look for us. You can find us on social media together as one on Twitter at The Boot Podcast and on Instagram at Boot Podcast. You can find me on social media everywhere at Kenna Trent. I'm the only one. You can find Brian somewhere at Flynn Bizzle. Flimby, that's that. Guys, please subscribe. Please rate. Please tell your friends. Check out our other episodes. And stay tuned next week. Bye. Can you tell me if there's a good restaurant or hotel on the island? Yeah, you walk straight ahead. (laughs) (laughs) They're all going to die.